hey, open up your Bibles, pull up your phones, um, let's go to God's Word together today as we begin this new adventure together. Let's anchor ourselves in those who 2,000 years ago did exactly the same thing, who entered into uh, this incredible adventure with Jesus. I'm going to start you, uh, uh, contrary to what your bulletin says, I'm going to start you uh, one other uh, reflection on this call. It comes from the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, now the big one, uh, in the first chapter, Gospel of John chapter 1. And then in just a moment, we'll go to our passage for today in Luke chapter 5. But in, in the Gospel of John, uh, we are told the story, as in several other um, uh, Gospels, of Jesus' baptism. And it's such a powerful experience for all who were there, especially for John the Baptist, for Jesus, as the Holy Spirit descended upon him, as they heard God's voice say, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. I mean, just such a great, great privilege to know that God cares about us, and especially to know as we put our increasing faith in Jesus Christ, Christ dwells in us, and God says that to us, right? You're my precious daughter. Do you know that? Whom I'm well pleased, God says. No, no, but God, but God, no, no buts. No. Uh, wow, the disciples got to see that. The next day, John tells us, Jesus again walked by John the Baptist. I'm picking up the story uh, in uh, verse 35 of John chapter 1. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said again, Behold, the Lamb of God. But look at this. This time, when he said it, the two disciples heard him, and they stopped following John and started following Jesus. And Jesus saw them following him and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Uh, and I, I love it that Jesus never gave straight answers. He invited them into deeper understanding. He said, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. For it was already about four o'clock in the afternoon. And one of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And then he brought him, Simon Peter, to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, You are Simon, son of John, and you shall be called, he used the Aramaic word Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock in English, right? The very word of God. Mm, thank you, God. Let's go one more place if we can, over to Luke chapter 5. As you're turning to Luke, I'm just going to remind you that the pattern for our times in the Word over these next 45 days or so is going to be that we're starting with the end of the story, what Jesus does after his resurrection, when he reminds them of all these experiences they've had together. And we're going back and picking up those experiences one by one, so that they'll have more meaning for us at Easter. But 
We're going to pick up the first one that he reminds them of here in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, it says there, that's the Sea of Galilee. Gennesaret means harp, and the Sea of Galilee is the shape of a harp. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down in the boat and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep. Now, I just want you to note here as we're reading through this. Put out a little, right? And then he teaches. And then he says, put out a lot, right? Put out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. And this very familiar story, Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Recall that in Galilee, they had much better luck fishing at night than they did in the daytime because the fish would tend to come to the surface at night. We fished all night and took nothing but at your word. I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking and they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John. Yeah, this is our James and John from the other disciples. Sons of Zebedee's who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, They left everything and followed him. The very word of God. Thank you, God. May may our hearts be open to it. May it take root in our hearts, God, and bear much fruit as we seek, God, to honor you with every aspect of our life. We love you, God, and dedicate this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to think with you about this. Um, We're going to get to that story in Luke here because there's so much powerful stuff in there for us. But I want to uh, just try with you to tie together two things. I want to try and tie uh, together in your minds the pattern or the path that Peter took. Because if if we'd gone directly to Luke 5, you'd say, Jesus went up to the stranger, climbed into his boat, and, and, and then ultimately gave him this amazing catch of fish, and he started following him that day, right? But as you start to piece together the different aspects of God's Word, you realize that there was much more going on. And I want you to think about it, for many of us, I want to think about it from our perspective, right? Um, where are you in this journey? I'd like to ask you that question. 
but then also for us as well, those of you who are confident in, in your commitment to Jesus Christ, um, I want you to be watching Andrew as well and saying, what can I learn from this process that I see about, about loving people enough to lead them into the presence of Jesus, right? And I'm going to push you to bringing them to that point where they have to respond to the call of Jesus in their lives. So a couple different strategies as we look at a pretty familiar story for us here today, right? Well, as you live your life, you'll come face to face with people from all kinds of different backgrounds, amen, all kinds of different uh, histories, all kinds of different uh, levels of spiritual development, right? You will find that you spend time with people who are actively pursuing a closer relationship with Jesus. Those are some of my favorite people. People that make me hungry to know God more, right? But you'll also spend your time with people who've recently committed their lives to Christ and, and are excited about, about living for Jesus. There's no joy like those who've recently come to know Christ, who've had their sins forgiven, that heavy weight lifted, and now are just excited. They have no idea what they're getting into, right? But they don't care. They're just excited and want to tell everybody they meet about Jesus, right? But we also encounter those who are kind of nonchalant or even noncommittal about their relationship with God. They're kind of evaluating based on on what they have already, um, the claims of Jesus, and it doesn't seem to be changing their lives. We run into people as well who who've gone astray from the walk that they once had with Jesus. And 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 you can see it on their face, right? There it's a it's a critical moment when they decide what am I gonna do next? I know that I'm far from the one I love. Um, what am I going to do next? All of us will spend time with people who are churchgoers and and uh, and even religious, um, but don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. For some of you, that just rocked your world, right? Because we said, well, why would they go to church? You'd be surprised. People go to church for a lot of reasons, right? And a lot of blessings, by the way. Just hanging around people who love Jesus is a good thing, right? But, um, but many people hang around and hang around and never take that step to actually begin that personal relationship with Christ themselves. And then I hope, I hope you're around people who, who have no idea of the message of Jesus as well, who apart from someone else coming and, and, and intervening are lost and, and, and will live in eternity apart. Well, you say, you hope I'm around those kind of people? Absolutely, right? That's the kind of people Jesus hung out with, right? We want to be in relationship with people that don't yet know him, right? That's why why Jesus has called us. So my point is to say we're around all kinds of different people in all kinds of different places in their walk with Jesus. But what we might not recognize is, is how many times 
um, someone needs to experience some aspect of a life with Jesus to be able to get to that point. Now, I say that, and some people um, are open-hearted, and the moment they hear, they completely devote themselves. But for most of us, that probably wasn't our story, right? Mine was like a two-year journey. Uh, um, for most of us, that's not true. That's why I was so surprised by the number of times that Simon Peter had to encounter Jesus before his life was forever changed, right? I never in my mind put together chronologically until just a couple of years ago, right, that the number of times that Peter encountered Jesus. It struck me that as I saw how many encounters with the gospel Simon Peter had before he came to that place that, that many of us are going to encounter that same kind of thing as well. So what do we take from this? Just like I'm going to invite you to follow in the footsteps of Jesus today, each of us must take that journey one step at a time. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's not a time when you cross over. I'm not saying there's not a time when when God becomes real, when you submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and gain eternal salvation. I know that that is is true, and it's got to happen for each of us. But I want you to see the various encounters that people, in particular Simon Peter, had with God before he finally surrendered his lives to his Lordship. Let's look first at, at, at now I'm just pulling from, from the Gospels, and there probably were other occasions that I'm not going to mention today, but uh, these were kind of a surprise to me, and I want to mention them to you. I want to suggest to you that Peter first encountered uh, Jesus through the testimony of his brother Andrew. Andrew tells Peter about Jesus. Right? Andrew's had a phenomenal experience. He's been following John the Baptist, at least from a distance. And, and when John the Baptist, who he really respects, says, follow that guy, Andrew, uh, Andrew responds. When John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God, um, Hebrew uh, code language for the Messiah, um, Andrew responds. But the first thing that Andrew thinks about is his brother, right? So Andrew leaves uh, Jesus. He leaves John the Baptist and goes and tells Peter, Peter, we have found the Messiah. John chapter 1. So Peter's first encounter with Jesus is secondhand information that he's heard. But he's heard it from somebody he trusts. He's heard it from someone he's in relationship with. Peter has not yet personally met Jesus. All he knows is what his brother has told him. The Savior has come, but Simon only has secondhand knowledge of him. Sorry if I keep jumping back between Simon and Peter. His, his birth name was Simon, a common Hebrew name, and Jesus changes his name to Peter. But we all know him as Simon Peter, and so I jump back and forth between those two names. I want to just note that this is, this is an example, really, of the spiritual state of most of the people in the world, right? People who have heard about Jesus, 
Especially in this modern day and age, it's hard not to hear about Jesus. But people who have heard about Jesus, they know of Jesus. They may even know something about Jesus, but they've never personally met him, right? But here's the reality. Secondhand knowledge is not enough to bring a person into the kingdom of God, right? That's where our responsibility begins, right? Just like Andrew, you and I must take the initiative. You and I must love people enough to share with them that initial, that initial understanding. The Messiah has come to share with them the gospel, the good news that God has become flesh and walked among us. A person must have a personal encounter with Jesus in order to be saved, not just had knowledge about him or the ability to say, I know who Jesus was historically. Just a secondhand knowledge is not enough. We must ultimately get them to that place of a personal encounter. But I just thought it was interesting that it began with someone he trusted saying to him, we found the Messiah. What does your life speak? What is, what is your life and your words? What do they say uh, to people who don't know Jesus? It's a worthy question, isn't it? Um, let's ask God. May our life speak about the good news of Jesus Christ. But right away then, still in John chapter 1, um, uh, Peter had his second it, encounter with Jesus. Now, Andrew not just tells Peter about Jesus, but he takes Peter to Jesus, right? He takes people to Jesus. In other words, he invites him to come with him. It's such an important thing, beloved. 50% of the people who you invite to go with you to dinner or to church or to an experience of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have several uh, people um, from Tristeus here. You know, someone invited them to go, right? And they had a phenomenal experience of the Lord at that weekend. But, but if you invite people, there's a really good chance if they're in relationship with you that they will go with you, right? So Andrew takes Peter to Jesus, and it seems like Peter lingered and listened to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, right? Son of John. He's getting kind of personal, and he's getting kind of intimate. And, and about this time, Peter's saying, how did you know all that stuff, right? You are Simon, but you shall be called Cephas or Peter. Wow. Wow. Peter and Jesus had a conversation. There's no record of a life-changing conversion, but it was, but it was a, Peter's first personal introduction to Jesus. And during this encounter, Jesus even told Simon that his name would be changed. And, and understand, again, names are code for character, right? Jesus is telling Simon, you're going to be transformed, buddy. Your whole world is going to change. You are going to become the rock, the rock on which other people 
uh, stand. You're going to become the rock on which, as he tells them later, I will build my church, right? Wow. Note that Simon Peter is close now. He's had a personal encounter with Jesus, but he still is not inside the kingdom. And I want to just encourage you. I want to urge you for your family and friends. Do for them what Andrew did. Take them. Come with me. You know, Take them to a place where they can hear the words of Jesus. Where they can learn more about the Savior. Where they can listen for the Holy Spirit's inkling and in His direction in their lives. Where their character can be transformed. You can introduce your friends, your family, your co-workers to the idea that Jesus can totally change their lives as well, right? That's, that's our great, great privilege. So Peter's had a first encounter with, um, with Jesus through the words of his brother. He's had a, he's had a second encounter with Jesus through, uh, through Andrew personally taking him to be in the presence of of Jesus, but remember that neither of those are enough. This might be the place where many of us on both sides of the kingdom of God get stuck, right? We come to church, we even bring others to church, but, but like Peter, we haven't yet surrendered our lives to Jesus. Now join me as we move over to Luke chapter 5, right? Uh, excuse me, we're, we're in Luke chapter 4. Uh, Peter's third encounter with Jesus. And this is the hidden one I wasn't paying attention to. One of the dangers of a, a phone that has about 30 words visible at the time, or even a Bible where someone has graciously and helpfully broken it into segments with titles on it and verse numbers and things like that, is that we, we stop at the end of those chapters, right? We stop at artificial places and we don't see what came right before. In Luke chapter 4, um, uh, Jesus uh, leaves the synagogue, verse 38, and goes to, guess what, the home of Simon. This is before our story in Luke chapter 5. He goes to the home of Simon where his mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And, and Jesus bends over her, rebukes the fever. It leaves her. She gets up and begins to wait on them. She gets off her deathbed and begins to serve them food, right? Uh, so when Karen's sick, I say, honey, get up. No, I don't do that. I don't say that. But Jesus did. And she was healed right in front of Peter. Uh, he saw a miracle, right? His mother-in-law is totally healed. And I, I added these verses because I want you to, to sense what was going on at sunset. People heard that Simon's mother-in-law was, was healed. People brought to Jesus all those who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them, would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Now, for the third time, Peter encounters Jesus. For the first time, Peter experiences Jesus' power, right? Right in his own home. He experiences God's power. So it's no longer secondhand information. No longer is he dependent on Andrew to lead him into the presence of Jesus. Now he's experiencing it himself. This was the next step 
leading toward that transformation that would soon occur in Simon's life. So God's power is all around Simon. But the change that he needs is still not yet occurred in him, right? And how many of us have been in that exact same place? We have seen miracles. And oftentimes I say that, people think, well, I've never seen the water party. You've seen miracles. Can I get a witness? Yeah, right? We have seen the power of God displayed in our lives, in the lives of other people, right? And yet we see it all the time and still have never been transformed in our inner person. We've not allowed the truth that we've heard, the miracles that we've seen to sink into our hearts and bring us to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, so a fourth encounter happens. This time Peter has a life-changing encounter with Jesus. Did you see it in the story? Jesus chose to get into the boat. I've always wrestled with the acoustics of this. Oh, did he just do that because he wanted? No. No. Sound does travel much better across water, right? But at the same time he was speaking to multitudes, he was intervening in the lives of one. He climbed into Peter's boat. Talk about your captive audience, right? What is he going to do? He can't get away. He says, put off a little bit from shore, right? I love that imagery. You know, I'm going to take you just a baby step here. Put off a little bit from safety, Peter. Put off a little bit from comfort. Everything that that you've known. He has to be getting nervous. He speaks to the entire crowd, but you've got to believe that those words are falling on Peter's ears as well, right? And so, so, Peter first surrenders his boat to the purpose of Christ. It's one more step in his discipleship. He, he, uh, boat's a pretty precious thing to a fisherman, but he surrenders it for the purpose of Christ. He puts out from the shore. He puts later than, he, than Jesus invites him to put out into deeper water. He asks him to take another step. Then he encounters the holiness of Jesus. Well, that's a heck of a way Pastor Dave to talk about this miraculous catch of fish. But Peter got it, right? He knows how hard it is to get those little squirmy things to get into that net, right? When you have two boats nearly sinking under the weight of a catch, you know that this is not because of my fishing expertise, right? You know that this is a miracle of God, and I've had a front row seat, and it changes every aspect of of my life, not necessarily for the good, right? When you encounter the holiness of God, what the aftertaste of that is how broken you are. Can I get a witness? Is that true? Yeah. And, and so you say, like Peter, depart from me, right? Uh, or you flee yourself. You run and hide from the, the beautiful glory of God. That was never the intention of God revealing his holiness to you. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to condemn you or you are. He's trying to invite you into this new place, this place of beauty and holiness, right? So Peter encounters the holiness of Jesus and recognizes the condition of his soul. And said, as we've said myriad times, God, if you really knew me, you wouldn't want to be near me. Leave, right? Leave. And, and it's interesting that Peter, uh, Jesus doesn't really address that. It's not a problem for him. 
we all have this thing that somehow holiness is is tainted by unholiness, right? But Jesus blew the doors off of that. No, holiness isn't tainted by unholiness. Unholiness is transformed by holiness. By holiness. So, so uh, Jesus uh, reveals his glory. And yes, it was very much a miracle, but, but it was a miracle of creation that all those fish would get into that net, right? And, and Peter recognizes it. And, and, and hearing that his sin is not a problem for Jesus, he recognizes uh, the condition of his soul. He surrenders his life to the cause of Christ. Oh, you would have thought that one of those previous encounters would have been sufficient for, for Peter to bring him to the point of conversion. And for some, maybe so. But it was this final experience that caused him to drop everything he knew drop his nets, everything he trusted, and to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. From that moment on, um, Jesus ceased with one exception that we will explore together. Jesus ceased fishing for fish and instead fished just as much work, just as active, just as involved. He fished for people instead. Well, many people, maybe even you, are like Peter. You've learned that Jesus is the Messiah. You've been introduced to Jesus personally by a friend. You've seen even the power of God in other people's lives, but you've never come to that point where you repented of your sins and submitted to the Lordship of Christ. I want to invite you. Now is the time, right? I don't, I don't want to take advantage of a global situation of of the fears that many of us are experiencing in this conflict. But, but fear is something we live with every day. Amen? Uh, and, and Jesus, again, speaks into Peter's life. He says, the problem is not your sin. The problem is your fear. Don't be afraid. I've got meaning and purpose for your life. And as you step into that meaning and purpose, you're going to be forever changed. So two quick questions. Are you that person today? Are you that person who's had all these things happen but have never crossed the line? Maybe you're just saying, if I can get through this service, I can, I can hold on, right? Um, boy, there's no safer place. No more loving group of people to surround you as you come to that place where you say, I'm tired of living on my own. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I believe that, that you gave your life for my sin. You've already overcome my sin, even my death. And I I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead to validate everything he said and did. I choose to believe that you are the Christ, Jesus. I will follow you. Are you that person? Mm. No safer place, no more important time than right here and right now. But I also want to ask some of you, are you the person that the Holy Spirit 
wants to use to reach out to the people in your life who need a personal encounter with Jesus so that they can enter the kingdom of God. Again, we've said it myriad times. If it was all just about coming to faith in Jesus and then being with him, God would take you now. But he has not. He has left you to be his representative here on earth. Will you be that Andrew that the Peters of the world need to speak to them, to lead them, to fish with them until they come to that point where they realize God has totally transformed their life? In either case, I invite you today. Let's follow after Jesus. Come on up, worship team, if you would. One of the symbols that we're going to use to do that is is um, the symbol of the cross. And please don't misunderstand. We're not trying to pretend that this is the heaviest cross you're going to ever bear. No, you know better. You know better. But it is an outward sign of an inward change. It's an outward sign of a commitment to say, Lord, where you go, I will go. I'm going to trust in you. Again, we saw in our memory verse that that Jesus said, if you would, anyone would come after me, he or she must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Um, if the Lord will allow, I invite you to come up. I'm just going to ask you a simple question. Is it your desire to follow Jesus these 50 days? And if you're able to say yes, um, I'll just put that sign of the cross on your forehead as a reminder to you as you leave this place, as a reminder to others. I have no expectation about how long you'll leave that on there. I usually forget and go out into public and people look at me funny, especially on Ash Sunday. They're going to look at you funny, right? But um, I invite you to follow Jesus. Would you do that? Let's prepare our hearts.